Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. The final from Oakland Coliseum out there in California. It's the Cleveland Guardians 3, the Oakland Athletics 1. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy, watching baseball being played. And you know what? Sometimes you do get to get into a slugfest and put up double-digit runs or beat a team 9-8, to eight, you know, warring back with home runs. And then sometimes you take a 1-1 game into the ninth inning and come up with some heroics and win it in the top of the ninth inning. And that's what we got yesterday. That's the beauty of baseball, you know. Sometimes you win big, sometimes you win small. But, uh, you know, getting the job done, getting that W up on the board, that's the most important thing. However, you got to get it done. So the Guardians do. They take a 1-1 game into the ninth inning, and then they get some big heroics in the ninth inning. They get some luck. They get a lot of luck. They get a lot of heroics. And uh, yeah, that's a ball game right there. So let's get into the storylines of this one. And I think the top storyline for me on this one was, was a bit of a pitcher's duel. It was a bit of a pitcher's duel between Shane Bieber and Cole Irvin for the Athletics. Uh, Bieber goes seven innings pitched, gives up seven hits. In fact, gets hard hit a lot. Um, gives up 10 hard hit balls on the day. Uh, uh, only gives up one run, though. One walk, seven strikeouts. Uh, that one run being a solo home run on 105 pitches. Now, Cole Irvin on the other side, he goes six innings pitched. He gives up six hits himself. Gives up one earned run, two walks, four strikeouts for him. Uh, frankly, most of those coming in just one single inning where he decided to be really nasty. Uh, he only gives up two hard hit balls on the day. Yes, he gives up six hits, but only two hard hit balls on the day. I'm guessing one of those was Oscar Mercado's double off the wall uh, in left center field. So what were they doing? What were these guys doing to battle each other, to battle these hitters? Uh, going over to the player breakdown here, Bieber threw a lot of forcing fastballs and then brought back the knuckle curve. He had been going so hard on the slider. And he threw plenty of sliders on the day. It was the third most pitch from him. But he threw a ton of four-seamers and a ton of knuckle curve. 39 four-seamers, 28 knuckle curve, 20 sliders, 17 cutters mixed in there, and then one changeup just for fun. Um, so that's the pitch mix there. He was not having a lot of success with that four-seam fastball, however. They put 12 of them in play. Um, they were really coming after that four-seam fastball. Only a 13% CSW on that four-seam fastball. The knuckle curve and the off-speed stuff was working a little better. The knuckle curve uh, got some whiffs on it, got some called strikes on it, a 36% CSW. On the slider, got a 50% whiff rate, good for a 30% CSW. Uh, on the cutter, it was actually a really effective pitch for him. Uh, got three whiffs on it, four called strikes. It's good for a 41% CSW on that cutter. It's only a 27% CSW on the day. He did get those seven strikeouts, but like we said, it's mixed with 10 hard hit balls off of him. So maybe a little bat bip luck there, maybe getting a little bit lucky with all those hard hit balls, maybe some good defense behind him, um, but it was effective. However, he had to get it done yesterday. It was effective. Now, Cole Irvin on the other side uh, throws a two seam sinker uh, fastball. He threw that the most. Then the four-seam fastball. So really going with hard stuff. 56 of his pitches are basically fastballs. Then mixes in a few curveballs, a few changeups, and a few sliders to go with it. 
The pitch that was working the best for him was probably the curveball. Uh, he got three strikeouts on that curveball. He had four whiffs on eight swings, plus three called strikes. It's good for a 39% CSW on that curveball. Only a 23% CSW, though, total on the day. Um, it helped him a lot that we fouled off those four-seam fastballs. He wasn't getting a, He only got one whiff, only got two called strikes on that four-seam fastball, but we did foul off 12 and only put three in place. So they don't really show up in the CSW numbers. I mean, it's a 12% CSW on his four-seam fastball, but those foul balls definitely help uh, limit the damage off of that pitch. So that's what Cole Irvin was coming with. And I think this is interesting. If we jump back over to the illustrator here, first I could tell you that Bieber was pounding the strike zone with the fastball and with the cutter and with that curveball. He wasn't just throwing that curveball out the bottom of the zone. Sure, there are plenty of curveballs at the bottom of the zone, but he was really pounding the strike zone uh, in this game with the curveball. So I don't think that's something we've seen from him a lot this season. And he was really attacking the strike zone. I mean, it is a tight... The pitch illustrator here is tight to the strike zone. Um, and then if we take a look, this was interesting. If we take a look at right-handed batters versus left-handed batters, he definitely had a different approach. In fact, he only throws one curveball to a right-handed batter, and he, he missed way up with it. Who knows if that's even a knuckle curve or if that was just a misread from StatCast because it's over somebody's head. You don't expect to see a knuckle curve over somebody's head. Mostly four-seam fastballs. A few cutters mixed in, and then sliders. A ton of sliders to the right-handed hitters. Now, if we flip that around and take a look at the left-handed hitters, it's complete opposite. Only two sliders in there. All the knuckle curves. All the knuckle curves came against the left-handers and, and the four-seam fastballs. More four-seam fastballs, a few more cutters mixed in there, but all those knuckle curves. Um, so, clearly, Bieber had a plan of attack, whether it was lefties, Verse righties, he knew what he was doing on this one. Cole Irvin, by the way, throws a ton of those two-seam sinkers to the left-handed hitters. A few sliders and mostly curveballs to those left-handed hitters. Versus the right-handed hitters, was it a different plan of attack? It usually is. And yeah, you see a lot more four-seam fastballs, still a ton of curveballs. Now the changeups start to mix in, mix in against the right-handed hitters. A few two-seamers, a few sliders. But mostly it's four-seam fastball, change-up, and curve, where it was the two-seamer against the left-handed hitters. So clearly a plan of attack there from both starters, whether it was a lefty or a righty up to the plate. And it was effective for both of them. Clearly they both had a very effective game. Now, another thing that this illustrator can show us is it can show us those strikeouts. And Bieber gets it done with the strikeout. This was the thing about the day. This is what made Bieber's day so effective, was getting those strikeouts, racking up those seven strikeouts. For Irvin, it's a little different. He strikes out Miles Straw to start the game and then doesn't have another strikeout to the sixth inning where he's able to strike out back-to-back-to-back hitter, strikes out the side. Jose Ramirez, he gets him swinging over a curveball on a 1-2 count. Then he gets Owen Miller swinging over a curveball on an 0-2 count on the outside edge. Then he gets Josh Naylor swinging at a curveball way away, way off the plate, going into the other's batter's box on an 0-2 count and swings at strike three. So really, all of a sudden, turns into this huge strikeout pitcher in that inning. But for the most part, Cole Irvin was getting it done 
with double plays. The Guardians hit into four double plays on the day, and we will get into those in a second. But while we got the illustrator open, Shane Bieber was getting it done with curveballs and strikeouts. Three of his seven strikeouts come on curveballs. Two of them come on cutters, and two of them come on sliders. And every one of these is a swinging strikeout, which is really impressive. In fact, I have to assume, so StatCast is a very smart website, but it does one thing very dumb. When a pitch is over at the bottom of the strike zone and you hover the cursor over it to take a look at the details of that pitch, it always puts the details down and to the right. Now, if I'm looking at a pitch at the top of the zone, that's fine. I can see that he struck out uh, Christian Pache in the seventh inning on a 2-2 count with a slider at the top of the strike zone, and it was a swinging strike. However, the ones at the bottom of the strike zone, it's not smart enough to jump that information up to the top of the pitch. It leaves it at the bottom pitch, which means the bottom line is cut off, which means I have to assume that these pitches in the dirt were swinging strikes. If these were called strikes, we have a much bigger problem with umpires than we thought we did. So yeah, seven strikeouts, all swinging strikeouts here. Two curveballs below the zone, a slider in the dirt that he got him to chase, a cutter right at the bottom of the zone, a cutter that he threw way across to his glove side, way out of the strike zone that he gets Sheldon Noose to swing at, uh, a curveball in the zone that he drops in against Austin Allen on a 1-2 count that he gets him to swing over, and then, like I said, that Christian Pache slider at the top of the zone that he gets him to chase. So Bieber getting it done with strikeouts, and strikeouts at the most important times, right? That's one thing about Bieber. When he's going good, when his back is to the wall, he gets a strikeout. Um, They try to get something going in the second inning with a single from Seth Brown, Kevin Smith with a sack bunt, and then he strikes out Austin Allen. So they were trying to get something done, but he comes up with a big strikeout there. Uh, In the third inning, he loads the bases with one out, and this was the one that I was really impressed with. Nick Allen uh, hits a single, Tony Kemp with a single, Sheldon Noose would walk, that would bring up Billy McKinney, and he would get him to strike out with the bases loaded. If you remember back to that 2020 season, yes, the shortened COVID season, but the Cy Young season from Shane Bieber, one of the things I remember is when his back would get to the against the wall, and you thought there's no way he's getting out of this without giving up runs, he would get the strikeout. And I looked back at the splits from that season um, because 2021 was a little bit more of a struggle, right? He gave up a few more runs in 2021, was battling that injury. But 2020, clearly, he wins the Cy Young, the best Shane Bieber, right? The greatest form of Shane Bieber we've seen so far. And when runners were in scoring position against him in 2020. Now, remember, it's not that many games. It's a shortened season. Uh, He faced 38 batters, and he struck out eight 18 of them, 18 strikeouts against 38 batters. It's uh, his whip with runners in scoring position was at 0.75. Walks, hits per inning pitched, he was at 0.75 whip. Very good, very elite stuff when runners were in scoring position. So pretty impressive stuff there from Shane Bieber, and he does it again here. Bases loaded. You think how is he going to get out of this? Boom, strikes out Billy McKinney, and then gets Seth Brown to ground out. In fact, let's go for fun. Let's go over to that at-bat at against McKinney, and let's see how he got him out, what the pitch mix was there to get that strikeout. 
So he's facing the left-handed hitter, and frankly, he just keeps it down and attacks down. I'm actually, you know, I'm surprised. A lot of times we've seen this with Guardians hitters where they see a pitch twice in an at-bat, and they're able to do some damage with it. Well, he shows Billy McKinney a cutter at the thighs, middle of the plate that he takes for strike one. Then throws him a knuckle curve in the similar location, but right at the bottom of the strike zone, right at the knees, and he swings through it. He then throws him another knuckle curve to get him to chase. It's in the dirt. He takes it for, now it's a 1-2 count. And then he comes back with a cutter in the pretty much similar location. It's on the bottom of the strike zone, right at the knees, right on the left edge of the plate, the arm side of the plate. And he gets him to swing through it. So maybe it's a situation where McKinney was thinking he was getting another knuckle curve. He had just seen two knuckle curves in a row, so he had slowed him down. And then he comes with the harder cutter and gets him to swing through it. Uh, maybe McKinney expecting that ball to drop, you know? The cutter's an interesting pitch for, pitch for Bieber because he doesn't get a lot of heat on it. I mean, he throws it in this at bat at 86.7 and then 87.4 miles per hour. So it's not touching what his fastball, his forcing fastball touches. It works in between. It actually comes in this, you know, maybe similar speed to the slider a little bit. Um, the knuckle curve is down at 83. Um, which is actually pretty hard for a curveball. Um, so it's an interesting pitch for him that kind of sits in between some of his pitches when it comes to velo. Um, but it works here. It gets Billy McKinney to strike out. I'm so, you know, I'm surprised. I, I got to imagine that Billy McKinney was thinking he was getting another curveball and then tried to protect against that cutter and ends up swinging through it. So that's how he gets that big strikeout to get out of that third inning. And that, I mean, that could have been a huge situation um, for the A's right there. That could have been a huge rally for them. Uh, let's see, what else? Where else is he in trouble here? Um, he does give up a home run in the fifth inning. Sheldon Noose does get to him in the fifth inning. Um, let's take a look at that one. Uh, let's see what Noose got on that pitch. Because, yes, Bieber is human. Yes, Bieber will give up a home run. Every now and then, and give credit to Sheldon Noose here. He gets a home run off of you know a Cy Young pitcher. Well, this is an interesting at bat. Uh, basically, Bieber just challenged him high with fastballs. Uh, misses at the top of the strike zone, just barely misses above the strike zone for ball one. Tries to get that same pitch back. Tries to get it called for a strike, but this time puts it at the letters, middle of the plate. And Noose turns on 105.2 mile per hour exit velocity, 404 to center field. His second homer on the season. Yeah, Bieber thought he was going to be able to sneak a fastball by him at the top of the zone. And that did not work out well for Shane Bieber. So, learns his lesson on that one against Sheldon Noose. Uh, but for the most part, for the most part, Bieber had himself a fantastic day. Now, what about Irvin and what about those double plays that we talked about? Well, he really helps him out here. Uh, he's got two guys on in the second inning after a walk to Owen Miller and a single from Josh Naylor. Gets Oscar Mercado to ground into a double play. And Jimenez would have ground out to eventually end the threat, but that double play kind of kills the inning. I believe that one was reviewed. I believe Mercado was called safe. Originally, they reviewed it, and yes, bang, bang play. They did get Mercado there. So two guys on to start the inning. Boom, a double play saves Irvin. Um... He does get out of it a bases-loaded jam in the third inning as well. Both teams load the bases in the third inning, and both teams can't get it done. Jose Ramirez here proves he's human. Unfortunately, yes, Jose Ramirez, it's true, is human. 
He goes 0 for 4 on the day with a strikeout. He leaves 4 on base. Um, he was a little frustrated. It looked like there was a shot of him going to commercial at the end of this inning, and he looked frustrated with himself for not getting the job done. Because with one out, Ernie Clement singles, Miles Straw singles, Stephen Kwan singles. Some of these were infield singles. And uh, Jose Ramirez comes up with the bases loaded, one out. Even a sack fly brings in that first run of the game. And unfortunately, he flies out the very shallow center field, and then Owen Miller would fly out behind him. So they put the bat on the ball. You know, they make an attempt at it at least. They just can't get anybody in in that situation. Um, in the fourth inning, the Guardians do put across their first run with one out. Oscar Mercado would rope a double off the center field wall, 101.6 mile per hour exit velocity. And then Andres would come up, Andres Jimenez would come up and shoot a single through the infield uh, and bring in that first RBI. Jimenez getting the job done as the shortstop. We are going to continue to talk about that in a little bit, but Austin Hedges would ground into a double play to end that threat. So what could have been a bigger inning for the Guardians? Irving gets out of it with a double play. Miles Straw would walk in the fifth with one out, but Stephen Kwan would hit into a double play, so another double play ends things. Irving would strike out the side in the sixth inning, and then another double play in the seventh after Mercado walks. Jimenez had been so effective at the plate, they try a hit and run, it ends up being a strike them out, throw them out, double play. So another double play from the Guardians. Uh, so yeah, that was uh, that was the Guardians. That's how Irvin was able to get out of things. He didn't have the strikeout going like Bieber did to end threats, but that double play really can end some threats pretty quickly. So I thought that was the big story of the line of the game, that pitcher's duel. But the most important thing in the game was the heroics in the ninth inning from the Guardians hitters. So Owen Miller kicks things off with a single at 107.3 mile per hour exit velocity. My God, what a line shot. Josh Naylor would pop out after him, and this is where things start to go the Guardians' way. Oscar Mercado would ground one up the middle. Second baseman Nick Allen, I don't know if he overran this or the ball got deflected as it crossed the pitcher's mound. It's hard to see because as the ball is crossing the pitcher's mound is when they cut cameras to the high home camera. And so you can't see if the ball changes angles a little bit. But Allen gets crossed up at second base and it ends up hitting off the heel of his glove. So it goes as a fielder's choice as a fielding error. Owen Miller is safe at second. Oscar Mercado safe at first. Andres Jimenez would come up then. He would ground one to second base as well. Nick Allen would get a second chance at it, a chance at redemption. I thought he was going to turn it to double play. I thought he was going to get his redemption. Andres Jimenez beats it out. He legs it out for a fielder's choice. He's safe at first. Owen Miller's safe at third. And that would bring up the catcher position. But Richie Palacios against the right-handed pitcher is pinch hitting in this situation off the bench. Palacios, the rookie, would come up and he would work himself a count. Uh, Danny Jimenez is on the mound. By the way, Danny Jimenez had not given up a run to this point in the season for the entire month of April over multiple appearances. Um, throws a slider in the dirt, slider in the dirt, slider in the dirt. 3-0 count now. Clearly doesn't have a feel for the slider. Has to go for the four-seam fastball. Takes a fastball uh, on the plate for strike one. At the knees, comes back in the exact same location, even more middle of the plate this time. A little bit above the knees, right at the bottom of the strike zone. And Palacios turns on this one. He had just seen the pitch. Turns on this one, 103.2 miles per hour, 385 off the wall in left center field. 
Christian Pache has a chance at it, and he crashes into the wall, can't make the catch. We've seen it a couple times, you know, as our Guardians outfielders have crashed into the wall, and we thought maybe, I remember there was a play, I think it was in Anaheim, where Straw crashed into the wall, where you think maybe if he gets back there, just another step, another second to collect himself and find the ball, he can come up with the catch. I felt the same way about Christian Pache here. Like, it, it, just another split second. He could have gathered himself, found the baseball, probably make that catch. It does have an expected batting average of 9-10, so clearly whoever puts that together, those numbers together, didn't think he was going to catch that ball. But he was back there. He just couldn't find the ball and catch it. Crashes off the wall. Owen Miller comes in to score. Andres Jimenez comes all the way around from first to score. It's his first RBIs ever as a Major League Baseball player. Richie Palacios puts two across to give his team the lead in the ninth inning. That's got to feel amazing. I know he was had a huge reaction at second base. He was fired up. The team was fired up. The fans at home watching on TV, we were fired up. A huge moment for the rookie to deliver for his team, especially in a pinch hit situation, coming off the bench cold. It's not like he had been in the game and you know working up into this moment to be called off the bench to pinch hit like that. That's a real hero moment for Richie Palacios. And uh, it was really cool to see him get the job done. And then uh, Emmanuel Classe comes in, does give up a double with two outs, but he shuts the door to end the game in that ninth inning. But there are some heroics in that ninth inning. Kevin Smith um, leads things off with a ground out up the middle. And Andres Jimenez makes an absolutely amazing spinning throw to get this one and fire to first base. Um, He has to range all the way behind second base. It helps that the ball wasn't hit that hard. Exit velocity was only 69.7, but he has to range all the way to his left across second base, get the ball, spin and throw in one motion and nail Kevin Smith at first base. Absolutely amazing defensive play. Something we haven't seen in Cleveland at shortstop since Lindor left. Uh, Absolutely fantastic play. And then gets one deep in the hole from Christian Pache at 102.5 miles per hour exit velocity. Deep in the hole going to his right and has to fire across the diamond. It's a low throw, but Owen Miller is there to scoop it out, make a good stretch. And they get Christian Pache to end things after Elvis Andrews had doubled off the wall uh, with two outs to give the A's a chance. He gets the ground out from Christian Pache. Again, a great defensive play from Jimenez and also from Owen Miller who didn't stretch too soon. You know, that's something a first baseman, you got to wait to see where the ball is before you make that stretch. You kind of, you don't want to get stretched out there and caught off balance if that throw isn't coming right where you want it to. And Owen Miller has not played a lot of first base. He's still kind of learning the position and he did a good job there of waiting to see that throw from Jimenez before he stretched out for it. And he's able to get it before it hits the dirt and get Pache to end the game. So, Huge defensive plays there from Jimenez in that ninth inning. So, yeah, Jimenez comes through with an RBI hit to start the scoring. He's one of the runners. You know, he legs out that fielder's choice and is one of the runners to come through and score in that ninth inning and makes two huge defensive plays to back up Classe, the ground ball pitcher, uh, to end that ninth inning. So a huge game again from Jimenez, who, frankly, at this point, my brother asked me, is something wrong with Ahmed Rosario? Is he hurt or something like that? And I'm like... Honestly, I think I'm, I think that Jimenez is just that hot. 
I think he is playing that good of baseball right now. You can't, I don't know how you could take him out of shortstop right at this point. Even if you want Ahmed Rosario in there today, although they're facing a right-hander. So maybe not. Um, I don't know how you could put him in there against, uh, you know, against Andres Jimenez when Andres Jimenez is playing so well at shortstop. Showed you such good defense at shortstop. I know second base is just as important, but is it? Like shortstop just, it's the premier defensive position on the infield, and Jimenez is your premier defensive player. It's where he belongs. Will he continue to hit like this all season? I don't know. You know, we'll have to wait and see. If he does, you just found your answer at shortstop. Uh, Someone hit me up on Twitter and asked me about Jimenez, like, you know, what's going on? Why are we giving this guy so many chances? Why does Terry Francona seem to like him? Don't forget, this guy, when we traded for him, was the number two prospect in the Mets system. This guy was a very highly regarded prospect in baseball when we traded Francisco Lindor for him. He was kind of the centerpiece of that trade, right? Ahmed Rosario gave you a major league player back. We got some very young pitchers uh, that, you know, who knows? Sky's, you know, sky's the limit for those guys. But Jimenez was the guy that's like, okay, look, this is the top prospect that we're throwing in the deal. A shortstop that could replace Lindor one day because we know we're signing Lindor to a ridiculous contract. So we're not going to need this guy to come up and play shortstop. So yeah, Jimenez was a highly regarded prospect. Um, what you think of Gabriel Arias right now, that's what people thought of Jimenez, you know, two, three years ago. So if Jimenez is blossoming into a really good major league shortstop, you got to go for it. You got to ride that wave and see what happens. Gabriel Arias can find playing time at second, at third base when Jose Ramirez is DHing, you know, on days off. You know, they, they will find a way to get Arias on the field if Arias is that good. But if Jimenez is that good, man, it's really fun to watch him play shortstop. All right, so those were my big storylines on the game. I mean, that was it's a pretty simple game. A 3-1 game is a pretty simple game. And uh, I thought the Guardians played a really good 3-1 game. Would I like them not to hit into so many double plays? Sure, sure, I would appreciate that. Um, But, you know, they were able to get the job done when necessary, and their ace did his job and pitched like an ace. So really good to see there. Throwing Sandlin, who pitched a nice, clean eighth inning on eight pitches. Got out of that eighth inning in eight pitches. Strong stuff out of the bullpen from Sandlin, uh, and it's a good game for the Cleveland Guardians. MVP on the day. Man, you get your first two RBIs in a pinch hit situation in the ninth inning to give your team the lead. Richie Palacios absolutely MVP on the day. I know I just sang the praises of Andres Jimenez for a while there, but Palacios, come on. We got to admit, most valuable on the day. You come through with a huge hit. Uh, Palacios, I'm giving you MVP on the day. All right, that is all my thoughts on this one. Coming up today, we got more afternoon baseball since it's out in California. It's a four o'clock start. It's going to be McKenzie on the mounds on the mound against Caparillion? That's what I'm going to go with. Until I hear Al Pulaski and Jensen Lewis say it, I'm going to go with Caparillion. By the way, I've actually I've enjoyed Al and Jensen calling the games uh, this weekend. There's clearly something weird going on with the technology. Uh, they're clearly taking the video feed, giving it to Al and Jensen here in the studio in Cleveland. Um, I, I, don't know, I don't know if this was a scheduled day off for Underwood and Manning, 
Um, but uh, Jensen Lewis has been on the broadcast for a few days now, um, and Pulowski joined him. Um, so clearly they're doing it from Cleveland, and then they're trying to sync up the audio and send it out to us on the actual broadcast signal. And their timing isn't perfect, right? Doesn't it seem like Pulowski is calling strike three or ball four before the pitch actually makes it to the catcher? Right? It seems like as the ball is leaving the pitcher's hand, he's already making that call. So I think I, it's not Al Pulowski's fault. I think that's something in the engineering. They just didn't time that up. Whatever delay they're doing so that Alan Jensen can see it first in Cleveland and call the game, uh, they didn't quite time that up for us as the viewer at home. But hey, it's working. And I think Jensen Lewis is doing a great job on color. I love the information he's sharing. It's, you know, having Rick Manning do it for so many years a former outfielder, it's really interesting to have a pitcher's perspective in the booth, right? For a little bit, we don't get that on the radio broadcast, right? There's not a former player on the radio broadcast, so we don't get this very often. Pitchers do have a lot of insight into the game, and I think that Jensen Lewis is bringing out a lot of really interesting facts and information to the broadcast. I'm really enjoying them calling the game together, and they'll get to call McKenzie versus Caparillion today. Caparillion? came over to the Athletics uh, in a trade with the Yankees for Sonny Gray, if you remember that trade from a few years ago. Uh, so he has not pitched to start this season. He did pitch in 2020 for him. Uh, he did pitch in past seasons for him, but he hasn't made a start yet this season. He was dealing with a little uh, with a little injury to start the season. So it'll be his 2022 debut going up against McKenzie, who's still looking for his first win. He's 0-2 despite pitching all right in some appearances this season. Um, he's still looking for his first win on the season. So the Guardians have been all about sweeps lately, right? They sweep the White Sox. They get swept by the Yankees, swept by the Angels. They now have a chance to sweep the Athletics. It would only be fitting to end this road trip with another sweep. So let's see if the Guardians can get it done and get McKenzie his first win on the season. All right, that is all my thoughts for this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Again, the final from Oakland. It's the Guardians 3, the Athletics 1. We'll be back tomorrow to see how McKenzie does. You can follow me on Twitter at Davey Ferris. You can email the show at Mornings at gmail.com. Let me know your thoughts on the game, and we'll discuss them on the show. Also, I'm hosting this podcast on Anchor, so if you go to anchor.fm forward slash Cleveland Baseball Mornings, you can leave a voicemail for the show. We'll play them back on the air, respond to your thoughts, and we'll have a fun conversation amongst the fans about baseball. So thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Baseball Morning.